Welcome everybody to the Carolina Bible Group Bible Study Voice Room. Uh, today we'll be study number 54 in our continuing series that we've entitled Angels and Giants, Fact or Fiction. And the date stamp for today is 8-14-22. Thank you, MJ, for the read on the sound and uh, uh, for all that. Thanks, everybody. Um, our purpose in this entire series, as you've probably already heard, but I'll continue to say it, um, is to investigate the angels and giants mentioned in Scripture and by doing so uh, alleviate some of the confusion that some Scripture verses seem to generate. And uh, also, before we get too far and I forget, I want to remind everybody there won't be an Arizona study this morning, no Mysterion Truth study after after we get uh, done with the study today. So a um, little side note there. Uh, last week, we began our look through the book of Revelation concerning the mention of angels uh, in the Scripture. And uh, we, we discovered that of all the books in the New Testament, angels are mentioned more frequently in the book of Revelation uh, than any other book with 72 mentions of the, of the word angels. And as I found out this morning, <coughs> you don't have to specifically see the word angel to be looking at a at a um, created being, and so that that should uh, strike all of you as interested or, or as interesting. It did me. So we're going to go through that this morning as we continue uh, our um, study of the the word angels and you know, these angelic beings uh, here in the book of Revelation. <clears throat> and uh, last week we also, as we began. In Revelation chapter 1, we looked at the, uh, notably the seven angels to the seven churches. Now, it's significant that Revelation begins this way, and each of these seven angels had their own specific message to take to this, uh, to these then existing, uh, assemblies that I believe existed when, uh, the, the book of Revelation was penned by the, uh, by the Apostle John. Um, so I think that's significant and it'll be significant as we continue to get into uh, some of the the study of these angels and these beings uh, that are listed here in the book of Revelation. So for today's study, let's go a little deeper into the angels, and I got that in quotes uh, today, that are mentioned in the Revelation, the Revelation of St. John. So turn with me, if you would, this morning as we uh, get rolling uh, over to Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Now, I'm going to try today, and um, maybe since I don't have to worry about going over, I may go over you know, five or ten minutes, but I'm going to try to get chapter 5 in with this. Because as we mentioned last week, when you get into the book of Revelation, and if you flip back to the introduction in the companion Bible uh, to the Revelation, You'll see that the structure uh, it has an introduction and a conclusion that bookmark that bookmarks the the entire outline of the structure. Then in in inside that you got the people on the earth as uh, as compared to the people on the new earth, and then within that you have all these different revelations. Uh, and it starts off in heaven, then it goes to the earth, then in heaven and on earth, in heaven, on earth. You see how it works. 
with the structure as you go through the book of Revelation. Now, to me, that's extremely interesting that you should be able to, you can even glean interpretation of what you're reading about by what's in these, by what's in this structure. Because God, when he writes his word, he, he does it in such a way that it is structured. These structures were discovered. They're not added. Uh, they were just discovered to be there by uh, scholars that were way more blessed than me. And we're blessed to be able to look at it and glean from it. So note that structure. The structure today, it, it starts um, in Revelation chapter 4 or 5 where it starts on heaven. So we'll start at Revelation um, chapter 4 of verse 1. Now note that as we looked last week, um, the last of the seven angels to the churches are mentioned in uh, chapter 3, verse 14, where it says, And under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. And then the the things that needed to be said by the angel uh, to that church at Laodicea. Then when we pick up in chapter 4, you get some, you get some more insight from John as to what he's actually seeing. So I want you to think about this for a minute. Of all the men that wrote the, wrote in the scripture, how many do you remember that literally had an eye to the throne room of God in the heavens at any time? Think in your mind for a minute. How many times in Scripture do you see the witness of somebody who literally is sitting in the heavenly places? And this, if these aren't heavenly places, folks, I don't know what is. It don't get in my mind. It really doesn't get any more heavenly places uh, than uh, than what John is describing right here. So. Think about that as we're reading this. You are literally listening to somebody. If you believe the scriptures, you are literally listening to somebody who has been taken in the spirit and whatever that means, if you believe the scripture, you have to take John at his word and believe that he truly saw what he says he see. So how many have literally gazed upon the throne room of God and given a description of it, not too many, and that's my point. Part, part of what, part of the amazing part of the book of Revelation, uh, the book of the Revelation here, in, in, incidentally, that's, that's part of Revelation that I want you to really ponder a little as we get into this this morning and begin to look at Revelation chapter four. John was literally there. Now, whether, and, and I've said this many times, I don't know how this was revealed to him. He just said that he was, um, he became, came to be in the spirit and he was taken here, uh, either in the spirit or moved to the future or it was played out before him. I don't really know the, the semantics of how this was pulled off. There's several ways, you know, God, with God, anything is possible. So I have no idea how God really pulled this off, but I do know this, that I take John at his word that he saw what he said he saw. And the the 
majesty of what he really saw is no more better demonstrated anywhere in the scripture, I think, than it is right here in chapter 4 when he begins to get this this vision and he begins to write it down and tell us a little bit of what no man had ever seen up until John, which is a glimpse into the heavenly places and what's going to, uh, and, and the beings that are there. And that's that's what I want to focus on this morning are the beings that are there. Because I'm sure that we all in our own mind, from uh, maybe from your childhood, maybe from things that you've seen, maybe from movies, possibly from the scripture, I don't know what, you know, I think about my home, my real home, my heavenly home, all the time. But I have no idea what it looks like. Only the picture in my mind, which I'm sure everybody has. And, and I want you to think about this for a minute. What is your picture in your mind? What does heaven look like to you? The, the place, you know, the hope where we're, that we have, the, the, the literal place where it's going to be, the upon heavens, what does it look like in your mind? And I didn't know if you knew it or not, but John, here in, in chapter 4 and in and, and chapter 5, has given us a glimpse into this place in really good detail as to what heaven really looks like. And, and I think if you bounce this off of what most of the world uh, has in their mind as their view of heaven, I don't know how closely it would even match up. Uh, so it's kind of an interesting Kind of an interesting prospect here. But anyway, turn with me. Enough of my gibbering. Let's let's turn to Revelation chapter 4. And I want to talk about some other beings that are in Scripture that are not called, um, physically called angels in the text of the King James um, translation. Revelation 4.1. Everybody still hear me okay? Yeah, I don't want you to miss this because it's it was pretty pretty amazing to me. Yeah. And it's always amazing. Every time I open the scripture and begin to look at things, it's just, it's almost like, man, <laughs> I, never, I never really took the time to to digest this before, to stop and smell the roses. And I think that's what we got to do more of is a little more stopping, a little more rose smelling as we, <laughs> as we go through the scripture. John says in Revelation chapter 4 verse 1, after this, or after the things that were revealed unto him, regarding the seven angels to the seven churches. So he says, After this I looked, see he looks, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. So there is a barrier between us and heaven. You don't just, even John, with the with the special permission that he has, doesn't just look into it, it has to be opened. Did you did you notice that? Behold, a door was opened in heaven, as if all the doors are closed at the at the current time. So a door had to be opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, "Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter." And that word hereafter there is the 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 Greek. Uh, for Meta, uh, which means after these things, which must be after these things, or the things regarding the seven angels. 
that John had already that John had already heard from. So we're continuing the story, and now we have a door open in heaven, and we've got a guy in there looking around, and we got a guy reporting back. He's like a reporter uh, who is in heaven looking back and writing down what he's seeing. And I, that's why I love this. It's, a, it's an eyewitness account of what's going to take place in the Lord's day. So it says, and immediately, verse 2, Revelation 4, I was in the Spirit. Ah, so after he sees the door opened in heaven, something happens and he becomes in the Spirit. He says, and behold, a throne was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Now, we will, you will see as we go along who this one is that's sitting on this throne that's in heaven. So the first thing he says immediately, I was in the spirit and I, the first thing I saw basically was a throne that was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Now he's going to give a description of the throne. He's going to give a description of the, the, the things around the throne. He's going to give a description of what uh, the layout of the of the things that he sees is in around this throne. It's it's amazing when you. It's like I say, we have a reporter literally on the inside where God is in heaven. So he says immediately, verse two: I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now listen to this, verse 3. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow. Listen to this. There was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. The rainbow was, it says, round about the throne. It was like it was encircling the throne. Why would that be? Why a rainbow? Very interesting. And he says inside it was likened to an emerald, or it had a, it had like a greenish, uh, tint to it. Verse four. And round about the throne, now listen to this. Here's where we get into, uh, some of the description of things that you may or may not have paid close attention to before. Round about the throne, verse four, were four and twenty seats. So there's a evidently a circle around this throne that contains 24 seats. And upon the seats, I saw four and 20 elders. You see that? Elders in the English. Now, in the Greek, this is the Greek form presbyteros, if I pronounce that correctly. And what it means is older or senior. This word is like presbytery, where we get our word presbytery. Uh, and this word is used 67 times in the scripture beginning in Matthew. And it's often referred to as the elders of the Sanhedrin or elders of a particular group or whatever. So the latent meaning of this is these have been around for a while. They've been around for quite a while. They are elder 
to the other beings that are in the heavens. And they have, they have special seats. These 24 seats obviously are special. So let's read it again. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats, and upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders. Now, do you think these are people? Beings that no man has ascended into the heavens? Obviously not. These elders are angelic creatures of some kind. I don't know within God's uh, created realm of angels. Uh, evidently are way up the list because they surround the throne with these 24 seats. So we saw these four and 20 uh, heavenly creatures, these elders, sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Ah, so these angels have on raiment of white and they have crowns on their heads of gold. Do you still believe that the gold all came from the earth? <laughs> I do not. I believe all the gold, even the piece that I have around my finger, uh, or the couple of pieces I have around my finger, was once upon a time with God in the heavenly places. I believe that God, personally, I believe God created all the gold and that the gold was here uh, at one time, and then as a result of the catabole, the gold was broken up and scattered to various, uh, it was broken up and, and scattered around to various places on the earth where we find it today. But all this gold in the beginning, guess what? I believe if you look in scripture, you'll see gold mentioned from way back before man ever got here. So I believe all the gold was God's. And we don't have it all here. Uh, these elders at some point in the future that John's looking at, they've got crowns of gold on their head. Now, whether it's the real metallic gold or, or some other, um, some other thing that exists in the heavens, I don't know, but I do know this. It's the same word, uh, as the gold that we refer to, uh, in the scripture. So I, I'll leave that up to you to study out. So these, uh, but these, these 24 elders, they got white raiment. They got crowns of gold upon their head. Let's, we got that straight so far. Verse 5, And out of the throne, coming out of this throne that this being sits on, and I believe this being sitting on the throne, to literally be God the Father. And I think you'll see that as we move forward in the, in the description here. Out of the throne, verse 5, Revelation 4, preceded lightnings and thunderings, and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, listen, which are the seven spirits or the seven angels of God. Are these the seven angels that took the messages to the churches? I believe so. I believe that's the connection there. So out of that throne, there's a lot of things happening. you got thunderings, you got lightnings, you got voices. And then you've got, John says he saw seven lamps of fire burning uh, before the throne, which are the seven spirits or the seven angels of God. And I have to believe that those are the seven angels that we've already heard from to the churches. Verse 6, and before the throne, listen to this, more description. From our 
front line guy on the on the line in in the heavens, John. And before the throne there was a sea of glass, like unto crystal. Now, have you got this picture, this mental picture in your mind now, of what the the throne of God, what it looks like around the throne of God a little bit? John is really giving a good description here. I know that human words probably really can't convey the majesty of what he's seeing, but he's doing the best he can with the language he has, because we're flesh. We can't we can't convey it in any other means than than what the flesh can do. So it says, before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal, and in the midst of the throne. And round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before in the front and behind in the rear. Oh, now this is interesting. Four beasts. Well, let's take a, let's take a little deeper look at this word beast. This degree, it's the Greek term zoan. And I probably terribly mispronounced that, but it means a living creature. Now, the word, or the translated word here in the English is beast, and I don't believe that's a very good rendering of what we, what we're really seeing here. It literally should read creature. So if you want to strike through that word beast and, and write creature, you know, in the English, the word beast doesn't really conjure up the beauty that I believe, uh, these beings possess as they sit there and the majesty with which they um, the majesty that they possess. So I think creature is probably, um, it literally means a living creature. So I think, uh, and they have life. So I think creature is probably a better translation here. But they, I believe they are in four positions about this throne inside the circle of 24. The 24 elders are in a bigger circle. Then you have the four beasts that are north, south, east, and west of the throne. Then you have the throne itself right in the center. God has surrounded himself. Listen to this. He has surrounded himself with these beings that are still in the heavenly places. They never left. They weren't dragged away by the adversary. They do what they are supposed to do continually uh, serving God in, in the heavenly places around his throne. And John is getting a peek at all this. It ought to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up when you think about it. The things that we have been shown in the scripture are beyond imagination. And it literally is. How many movies you ever seen that lay out, you know, and, and I agree with Wayne. Uh, I hear Wayne very often talk about, man, we ought to make a movie out of this and have the Apostle Paul doing this, and he's right. I mean, the things that are in the Scripture with the talent that some of these movie makers have today, if they would you know, concentrate on something other than killing and maiming and destroying, the way that they could present the heavens, how many people could be made interested in the Scriptures if that were to happen? I mean, it blows your mind to think about it. How many people would could be brought to a point where they would want to open the scriptures and literally, you know, try to find out for themselves what's going on. I mean, it, 
if these things were turned into a movie, to me, they would be extremely interesting. Um, but we have the movies we have, and, and it is what it is. So before the throne, verse 6, there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were the four beasts full of eyes. And they've got eyes, evidently, in front of them and behind them. And that's significant, I believe, because evidently they see everything. Not, uh, it's hard to get by all these eyes, I think, if you, uh, even if you tried. So let's move on. Verse 7. So John now is going to give us a description of these creatures or these beasts as they're referred to in the King James. So it says in verse 7, And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man. So you see, it evidently it's the heads of the beast that have these characteristics. It says the third beast had the face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. So we got a lion, a calf, a man, and a, and a bird or an eagle. Verse eight. And the four beasts, see, John's still giving us, still giving us information, intel. We've got a guy inside the heavens who is reporting back what he sees. And the four beasts had each of them, verse eight, six wings about him. So you got three pairs of wings each. It's, is this not amazing? And I've seen drawings and depictions of these creatures before. Uh, there's a lot of artwork, incidentally, dedicated to this destruct, uh, this description of, uh, of these beasts in the scripture. The four beasts had each of them six wings on him or about him. They were full of eyes within, and they rest, listen to this, verse 8, they rest not day and night. Their job, without resting, is to say, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. That's their job. Isn't that something? Had you ever seen that before? They rest not day and night. Which in, if you interpret what John's saying there, see there's no day, no night there uh, without the sun and the moon, I don't think. So John puts it in terms that we can understand, and that's 24-7. They do not rest, and they always are uttering the saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty which was and is and is to come. Verse 9. And when those beasts give glory and honor, and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four, listen what happens. When they do that, when the beasts say what they say, then, verse 10, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne, which I believe to be God the Father. Yeah, it, you're right, Lord. It Read Ezekiel's account in Ezekiel chapter 1 of what he saw with these beasts. I think he was visited by some. Ezekiel also had some visions of uh, these beasts. Now, he wasn't in the heavens 
like John is, I don't believe. But he did, he did get a glimpse of the beast. You're right. Verse 10, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne. Whenever these four beasts utter their utterances and they worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. So they, they bow down and they cast their crowns before the throne and they say, thou art worthy, O Lord. You see this? To receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Well, that gives you a pretty good hint about who is sitting on the throne. The Creator God. This is literally, in my opinion, I think we are literally looking at the throne of the creator God of the universe because the angels say, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor. Verse 11, Revelation 4. And power. For thou hast created all things. And these things were created for thy pleasure. They are and they were created. And that's... That's chapter four. I didn't think we would get through that quite as, uh, quite as quickly as we did. But now I want to move on into chapter five because chapter five goes, uh, if you look at the outline, chapter five goes with chapter four. The, this first vision in heaven, if you look back, uh, encompasses chapter four, verse one through chapter five, 14, which is the last verse in chapter five. So I don't want to leave any of it out and miss what we're looking at here with these angelic creatures. Now, angels are going to be mentioned later on in in, in chapter 5, but they are described differently and right along with the four beasts and then the 24 elders that sit around the throne room of God. So you see how amazing, how absolutely amazing the, the usage of angels is in the book of the Revelation. You see why there's no way in the world we can't go through some of this and understand a little more of what God created before he ever created the earth. Because Job gives us the knowledge that when God created the earth, the angels sang with joy. They shouted with joy when God created the earth. So, these beings predate our the creation even of our planet. And that, that blows my mind that they were already there. And and you know when we get to Genesis and, and Satan shows up in chapter three, there was no need to talk about his creation because he was already created. He had already pre existed everything that had been restored during the, the restoration of Genesis one. So things to think about there. So let's move on this morning with the rest of our study into chapter 5, and I'll spend the rest of our, what little time we got uh, trying to get through chapter 5 here. So now you know what John sees in the throne room of God the Father. So let's move on. He said, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, Revelation 5, 1, a book. Huh. A book written within and on the back side, 
sealed with seven seals. So the Father is there. He has in his right hand, as it says, a book that's written inside and on the back side, and it's sealed with seven seals. Anything that's sealed is closed. Just like heaven was closed at the beginning of chapter 4, we have a book being closed here. So if we're going to come to knowledge of the things that are closed, guess what? They have to be opened. And that's what's happening here. Is the opening and the revelation, the apocalypsis, the personal presence of, and all the facts that go along with that, that's what's going on in the revelation. Is a It truly is a revelation. It's a big opening. So now we have in the right hand of the one on the throne a book, and it's sealed. Verse 2. And I saw, John goes on. He says, I saw a strong angel. Ah. So I wonder how that strong angel compares to a normal angel. Do you see all the questions about this creation of these beings that should be coming up in your mind as we move through this? I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. All the voices that John hears in the heavens evidently are like trumpets. It's always, it's never a meek, quiet voice. It's always the sound of a loud voice or the sound of thunderings or the sound of a trumpet. It's always something that has a lot of decibels. So we heard the angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the book? And to loose the seals. See, if we're going to know, that book has got to be opened. We don't know what's in that book. Is there one worthy, he says, to open this book and to loose the seals thereof? Man, you talk about a, you talk about a movie playing out before us here. Folks, we got it. It says, and no man in heaven, listen to this. No man in heaven, nor in earth, <laughs> neither under the earth. Huh? Under the earth? Interesting. No man in heaven, no man in earth, no man under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereupon. Nobody could even look at it. Wow. John says he cried. I wept much. When there wasn't anybody evidently that could open the book, he said, I wept. Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Oh, but there's a lot of hope. Verse 5. And one of the elders, ah, this must be one of the Zuan, one of the angelic beings that inhabit the one of the 24 seats that has the white raiment and the gold crown, remember? One of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Ah, don't cry, man. Behold, look at this. The Lion of the tribe of Judah. Praise God. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. We have one. 
the elder says. They can open this book who's qualified to open this book and to loose the seals thereof. He says in verse 6, And I beheld, he kept looking, we still got our guy on the inside here. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb. See, Israel never understood when Christ came to them humble as a lamb. They never really got it. Even when he was on trial, it says he was quiet as a lamb. He, he held his tongue. He spoke not a word. You, you remember all these things that happened to the Lord, even as he was being tried and led and crucified. He was still a quiet, humble lamb. And here in the heavens, there is one who is able to loose the seals and open the book. And guess what? There stood a lamb as it had been slain. Oh, now we know where the Son of God comes in. Having seven horns and seven eyes. And I believe these eyes to be the angels of the seven churches that have already been mentioned. Which are the seven spirits. See, the seven angels of God sent forth into all the earth. They were sent forth to proclaim what God needed to tell these seven assemblies. And he, the Lord, Christ Jesus, came. Listen to this, y'all. This, this should blow your mind. He came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Well, nobody can sit upon the throne in front of the Son of God except God himself, God the Father. He came and took the book, verse 7 out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. <clears throat> and when he had taken the book, verse 8, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb. Now these are the beings that have only been worshiping the Father up until this point in John's vision. But now what do they do? They fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps, and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. You think your prayers were wasted? Sounds like they're kept. We've read this before. We went over this in our prayer study. Where do these prayers go when we utter them up? Are there unanswered prayers? Is every prayer remembered? Vials full of odors, and the odors are, it says, the prayers of the saints. <laughs> There's you something to think about next time you pray. Sounds like it's put in a vial when it goes to the Father. Now that may or may not mean anything to you, but it does to him. Verse 9, and they sung a new song, these four and twenty elders and the, the beast. They sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof.
for thou, listen to this, if you have any doubt about who we're talking about here, <clears throat> for thou wast slain, and hath, hast redeemed them to God. It says us, but it should be them. Thou wast slain, and hath redeemed them to God, by thy blood out of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nation. And hast made them unto our God kings and priests. And it says we, but it should be they. And they shall reign on the earth. And I believe this, this literally applies the, the prophecy here coming from these that sing the new song literally is talking about Israel because it says, uh, thou hast redeemed them because at the point where the book of Revelation was written, look y'all, it was all about Israel. It was to them, for them, and about them. Uh, by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, that's within, I believe, the twelve tribes, and has made them, the twelve tribes, unto our God, kings and priests. When the Lord returned to the earth as it was set up originally in A.D. 85, had, had Israel accepted our Savior for who he said he was as the king, things would be completely different. Had there been no setting aside of Israel, had that whole thing not been postponed at Acts 28.28, the world you live in today would be completely different. From the, from the world we live in as we live. I don't know if you've ever sat back and thought about the import of that, but it's, that's something to really consider. That had, as, as Daniel 9 lays out, the Lord been able to return and the kingdom been set up at AD 85, this will be a completely different earth that we live on. I don't know if you've ever considered that or not, but it's something to think about. A few more verses and we're done. Let's see if I can get it in. Verse 11, John says, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels. Ah, oh, now that we have somebody to open the book, things are charging up a little bit in the heavens. I beheld and heard the voice of many angels. Revelation 5.11 Round about the throne and the beast and the elders. Listen to this. And the number of them, the voice of the many angels, the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Wow. Now what does your view of heaven look like? Was it anything like it was before we started this study today? Now that you've had a glimpse into the throne room of God, where things happen, how does your view of heaven differ from the way it did before we started this study this morning? i tell you, mine's different. So we heard this voice of many angels round about the throne, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands, many thousands. And they're saying with a loud voice, verse 12, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength 
and honor and glory and blessing. So he receives one, two, three, four, five, six, seven things. Isn't that amazing? He receives power, riches, wisdom, strength, honor, glory, and blessing. All seven. Here's a, here's an explanation of chapter 4, verse 11, I believe. It says in verse 13, Revelation 5, And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that are in them heard, I say, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. See here, every creature will hear this. Every creature, listen, everywhere. Doesn't matter if you're in heaven. Doesn't matter if you're on the earth. Doesn't matter if you were under the earth, where maybe the beasts are, those uh, angels that fell. Think about that. Under the earth. Interesting? It is to me. Just read it one more time. Every creature, and every creature which is in heaven, Revelation 5.13. In heaven, and on the earth, and under the earth, and such as are in the sea, but the such as are can be left out. And all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne. And, you see that now, it's and unto the Lamb forever and ever. Only the Lamb has the power to open the book and to loose the seals. It's amazing. And we'll wrap it up here. Verse 14. And the four beasts said, the four creatures said, Amen. And then the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. How can you have, how can you have a study of angels and, <laughs> and not stop and, and go through a couple of these, uh, a couple of these chapters that are in Revelation. It's absolutely mind blowing, uh, when you go through here and literally think about the fact that we have a guy on the insider at one time when John was in the Isle of Patmos and he became in the spirit, we had a guy on the inside, a guy inside the heavenly places giving us literally a description of what's going on here. But this lamb that is slain, Doherty's question was, um, where's the body at this point? Um, I believe the body will be the completeness of the sun. And when the sun is presented, um, when, he, when he appears in the heavenly places, he will be presented. But I believe that predates, every, personally, I believe it all has to predate everything that we just read. That that lamb that presents himself will be complete. He will not be incomplete without his body 
when he appears there before the throne to open the book personally. And that that's Ronnie's Ronnie's personal belief, and I'm I'm uh, advising it as such. You can take that and agree with it, disagree with it, but above all, study it out. Study to show yourself approved. That's only my opinion. So we'll stop there for today. Uh, man, I, I tell you, I thoroughly enjoyed taking a look at Re- Revelation 4 and 5. It was, it was quite a surprise to me when I, when I began a little earlier this morning, uh, to try to put something together. And I'm like, holy smokes, how can we possibly omit this? There's no way. So thank you for being with us. God bless you. Bow with us and we will, we'll close, uh, with the study and close it out for the day since there will be no, uh, there'll be no Mysterion truth study, uh, this morning according to Barney. So bow with me. Father, once again, we do thank you for, Father, for all your blessing. Father, for the, the beautiful revelation of this book, uh, that you give to us and for opening our eyes and helping us understand it. Father, we know that if we just read it and take it for what you say, the way you've said it, and use the keys of right dividing. Father, we know that the scripture will be open to us and we will understand much better that which you've left for us. God, thank you for this word. Thank you for the revelation of your son. Thank you for all things that you bless us with, whether we even know that and understand that we've received the blessing or not. Be with all those that have come this way, Father, according to your will and purpose. Uh, take these words that were said this morning. Father, and use them according to your will and your spirit, as always, for it's in Christ's name this morning that we do so humbly pray.